Hello and welcome to the Witch Shorts podcast. I'm Rob Lilly. Now I hope you had an enjoyable Easter weekend if you're listening to this episode shortly after its release. Perhaps you took a trip to one of the UK's many national parks. Well, in this week's episode, we're exploring the picturesque Peak District, hearing more about its historic villages, warm community spirit, and dramatic landscapes. To read us this article, originally written by David Whitley, I'll hand you over to Harry Kind. The first walk is one of necessity, from a car park in a field on the edge of Bakewell. Good luck parking any closer to the town centre on Monday mornings because it's market day and everyone has the same irresistible urge to buy steak pies, cashmere scarves and traditional French soap. It is, however, as with pretty much any walk attempted in the Peak District, delightful. The amble towards the market stalls passes over the Monsol Trail, a much-loved walking and cycling route that has supplanted a disused railway line and then crosses the River Wye. Here, the pedestrian bridge is utterly swamped by lovelocks, while ducks and geese paddle by the weir. The market is borderline frenetic, with visitors sampling slightly salted cheddar cheeses and stocking up on the obligatory Bakewell puddings. The air of busyness should come as no great surprise, though. While the Peak District has a reputation for walking among green rolling hills, it became Britain's first national park in 1951. Its character comes from the people rather than the landscape. The Peak District has always been quietly, but fascinatingly, industrious. The Bakewell Market is not the only place to get local produce in these parts. The Chatsworth Estate Farm Shop is a treasure trove of meats, jams, cakes and craft beers, many of which are grown or made by tenants on the sprawling estate owned by the Duke of Devonshire. Nearby, villagers use the grounds of Chatsworth for amiable strolls among bemused sheep and majestic deer. It would be a mistake to assume this is a place of relaxation, however. Chatsworth House, nicknamed the Palace of the Peak, is a blizzard of ostentatious decor, grand staircases and lavish ceiling paintings. But it is no dusty museum piece. Modern art such as Damien Hirst's visceral bronze figure St Bartholomew Exquisite Pain takes pride of place alongside works that the Devonshires have connected across the centuries. Around the house, the farmyard sculpture walk and adventure playground fizz with the Peak District's typical engaged energy. At Cordwell's Mill in Rowsley, 3.5 miles southeast of Bakewell, flour is still made the traditional way, harnessing the power of water wheels on the river. There's a mini-museum inside the mill, and visitors are free to nosy around the four floors of occasional clanking machinery. What has happened to the mill's outbuildings is arguably more fascinating, however. The artists have moved in. At the Mill Yard Studio Gallery, Jenny McKenzie sits at her desk painting abstract impressionist landscapes. And at Rock Paper Silver, Rebecca Green makes intricate silver jewellery using a wax casting technique and hosts workshops helping other people to do the same. The mill shop showcases work from other Peak District artisans. The panorama of pottery, woodwork and handmade cards suggests magic is being made in hundreds of tiny studios across Derbyshire. Another of the Peak District's creative hubs is the Green Man Gallery in Buxton, where a collective of resident artists have taken over a once derelict building. 
Nosy around and you'll find the paintbrushes are still wet next to the easels, while pots are resting on the wheels. The slightly hippie vibe in this new incarnation of the former Peak Hydro Hotel is at odds with Buxton's general demeanour. This is a town of proud grandeur, primped gardens, handsome spa hotels and an elegant Edwardian opera house. Buxton's air of sophistication owes much to the thermal springs that bubble underneath the town centre. There have been natural baths here since the Roman times and they were the centrepiece of the late 18th century transformation into a spa town. These days, the thermal bath is part of the Insana Buxton Crescent Hotel complex. The pool's natural 26 degrees Celsius temperature is boosted to an even more soothing 33, and day guests join overnighters wallowing under the dainty stained glass roof. The springs also feed the River Wye, which runs underground through Pool's Cavern, a vision of flowstone and painstakingly formed rock decorations. The Duke of Devonshire had the entrance to this cave excavated in the mid-19th century, eager to add another string to the town's tourism bow. But artefacts found in the pool's cavern suggest people have been visiting for much longer. There's evidence that the Romans used it as a temple, while jewellery and weaponry smelting took place in the Bronze Age. The Peak District's desire to make things is not, it seems, new. Winnett's Pass plunges down into the Hope Valley, weaving between steep-sided, bulbous green hills. Grown adults can be forgiven for saying "wee" through the scenic descent. One of those hills is Treak Cliff, where yet more evidence of Peak District industry presents itself. Lead mining started at Treak Cliff Cavern nearly 300 years ago but the miners quickly found something a lot more interesting. Blue John is a form of semi-precious stone, fluorite, but it's an extremely unusual one that comes in purple, blue and yellow colours. The name comes from the French, bleu et jean, which translates as blue and yellow. For a long time, Blue John was highly fashionable as a decorative stone. According to the Tree Cliff Cavern audio guide, there is Blue John in Windsor Castle, the White House, the Vatican and Buckingham Palace. It may have made its way around the world, but it is only found in this one hill. Walking through, it's possible to see the purple streaks in the cave walls. Blue John is still mined here, the demand plummeted in the 1920s, and it is not nearly as valuable as it once was. Arguably more precious nowadays are the displays of stalactites and stalagmites formed over hundreds of thousands of years and now clustering so prodigiously that they look like dragon's teeth. Each of the Castleton Caves offers something different. At Speedwell Cavern, the tours head through narrow lead mining tunnels in a boat, and at Peak Cavern, fondly referred to as the Devil's Arse, for the flatulent gurgling noises that emanate from within, there's an emphasis on history. That includes the enterprising Victorian-era tour guides who would take guests inside, blow out the candles, then ask for more money to lead them back out. It's the enormous cave entrance, though, that sets the Peak Cavern apart. At 100 metres long, 20 metres high and 35 metres wide, it is Britain's biggest cave entrance. Today, Castleton could get away with being a cute, sleepy village, but it isn't prepared to settle for that. It has six pubs for a population of 642 people. All six welcome muddy boots that have spent the day tackling the great ridge that divides the Hope and Edale Valleys. 
Yet, on the bits of narrow pavement not backed by a quintessentially country pub, the people of the Peak District are again busy. Blue John may have gone out of fashion elsewhere, but here the jeweller's shop still craft it with pride. While you're walking, the Peak District is, as it always has been, working. Thank you so much to Harry for taking us through that piece, and to David Whitley too, the author of this article which was originally written for the March issue of the Witch Travel magazine. Remember you can find more articles you'll find useful every day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters. And you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts, and thanks for listening. Which Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Barker.